I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 281. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Thanks for your patience last week, as it has become painfully obvious why I should get a little ahead in the production of my podcast, because I lost power last week due to Hurricane Barry, and it kind of put a bump in the road of my weekly podcast. I guess my secret is out. I write this podcast anew each week, but maybe that's why it stays fresh and relevant. I don't know. But I'm back on track right now to use Jason Gray's new song, I'm Gonna Let It Go, to inspire us to dive into scripture. And the theme of the song really struck a chord in my heart because I like to control things in my life, or at least have this semblance of control. And I also tend to keep my burdens close, and they sometimes drag me down when God is calling me to surrender to His way. But the place I was inspired to go in scripture brings up a completely different point altogether, and that is this. If I don't surrender to God's way, I'll surrender to the consequences of not surrendering to God's way. Now chew on that for a moment while we listen to a snippet of the song. But I hear you whisper to me, if I lose my grip I can see, that you are carrying me. I'm gonna let it, I'm gonna let it go, oh, cause if I trust it, I can move with your flow, being carried in the current of your love, when I lean into your arms, you're enough, so I'm gonna let it, I'm gonna let it go. God's wisdom for our lives, freely offered and not hidden in scripture, speaks to our relationship with him our relationship with others, and even our internal struggles. But sometimes we go astray. We stop reading the word. We stop strategically placing ourselves consistently in the company of other followers of Christ. We stop filling our minds with words of worship. We stop speaking to God, and we stop listening. Why? Well, because we think we know better. We think God is keeping something from us. We Believe the lies. As old as the garden, we allow the enemy to cast doubt on the wisdom of God's words and his ways. And then that leads to denying the truth of God's words and ways. And then ultimately distorting the character of God where we don't even trust him at all. And when we don't trust him, we won't surrender to him. But here's the kicker. If we don't surrender to God's way, we'll be forced to surrender to the consequences of not surrendering to God's way. There's an example of this in God's word, and, and I'm going to get I'm going to bring us into that fold. But I was reading in the book of Jeremiah and in Jeremiah chapter 38, 
Jeremiah is the prophet and he is brought before King Zedekiah. And the conversation doesn't just happen out of the blue. And so, again, you really need to understand the context. And so you need to read this story in context. In fact, uh, that is my favorite bite. Bible interaction tool exercise is to read in context. I share these bites with you to help you as you study God's word on your own. And I hope that you will not feel this burden to use every single bite every time, but that as we consistently use them in different ways, that you will pick up a few bites and be able to change the way that you read God's word. But especially in historical narratives like this, it really, really helps to understand the context. So first of all, who are the people involved in the conversation? Well, when when I'm in Jeremiah 38, I see Zedekiah and Jeremiah. And I've been examining the lives and words of the people mentioned in the areas of God's word that I've been studying. And it's enlightening. So for example, I think last week uh, on the podcast, I said I would shoot out on Facebook just a way to, to study Philemon. And one of the ways that I asked you to look was to examine some of the relationships in that letter. So I kind of did that same kind of thought process here. It does take a little work, by the way. But honestly, it's really interesting. And it's changing the way that I read scripture. And so this practice of examining the people that you're reading about closely could perhaps fall into two different bite categories. The first bite is to remember that the people you're reading about in the Bible were real. Zedekiah was a real king and Jeremiah was a real prophet. But beyond that, they were real men who whose lives really existed in a historical setting. And they really responded to God in different ways. And so don't you think some of that is worth exploring? Well, I do. The other bite, I guess, could fall under... Um, exploring a topic. In this case, the topic is the two men. So since I've already mentioned it, go ahead and use the bite of historical context to help you in this process. What's going on in the day and time when this conversation is happening? That's that historical context. In a nutshell, I'm exploring not only the history between these two men, but the historical setting in which their relationship exists. And that matters, right? If I examine, for example, a shouting match between two married couples, (laughs) the history of one couple is one of honor and mutual respect and kind words. The history of the second couple is one of constant shouting and disrespect. So for the first couple, the specific circumstances that trigger this shouting match are going to be extremely important as to the cause and context of the episode. For the second couple, while the cause and context could be important, it could be possible that anything could trigger this type of behavior and that the pattern of behavior ends up rising to greater importance than the specific trigger in this instance. So when the king says to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 38, verse 14, he says, I'm going to ask you a question. Hide nothing from me. And Jeremiah's response is, If I tell you, will you not surely put me to death? And if I give you counsel, you will not listen to me. (laughs) There's a little history there, right? (laughs) You can 
Uh, you can just sense the tension between these two men. You can sense that there is a pattern of behavior. You can sense that there's a trigger that's even causing this conversation to happen. And you can discover all of that history on your own by reading in context. Now, for me, context can be a little fluid. Uh, you may have to go back pretty far to get the complete context. And of course, nothing beats reading the whole book. Uh, but Jeremiah, of course, is pretty large. My regular habit, if I say I'm going to read something in context, is to read the chapter before the chapter I'm studying, the chapter I'm studying, and then the chapter after, at the least. And like I said, it's it's not a hard and fast rule, but a good you know guide. <clears throat> so I see in the book of Jeremiah, I actually have to go back to chapter 36 to begin to see Jeremiah's interactions with Zedekiah. In fact, if I go back to chapter 35, I see Jeremiah's interacting with a different king altogether. So all that makes me kind of want to do is explore the historical timeline a little bit more. So I figure there's no better place than Chronicles to do that because after all, the book of Chronicles is just that. It's a chronicle, a timeline, a history of events. And I find it's often kind of the cliff's notes <laughs> of what's going on. And then the prophets, the prophetic books kind of fill in some of the details many times. And that's what's happening here. And you might say, you mean they're linked? <laughs> Yep. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. You are going to get so excited when you begin to link these books and these um, stories together in your own personal study. For me, it's like when you're exploring a new city and then all of a sudden the map of roads that you drive just clicks in your mind and you can begin to navigate from memory and you can begin to kind of plot out the best direction to get somewhere when the traffic is tight or when there's a school zone or something like that. So I head over to Second Chronicles because I know from what I'm reading in Jeremiah that this is the end of Israel and Judah. And so I actually start looking at the end of Second Chronicles. And sure enough, in the last chapter of Second Chronicles is where I see the summary of it all. And it says this, The people of the land took Jeho- Jehoaz, the son of Josiah, and made him king in his father's place in Jerusalem. Jehoaz was 23 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. Then the king of Egypt deposed him in Jerusalem and laid on the uh, land a tribute of a hundred talents of silver and a talent of gold. And the king of Egypt made Eliakim his brother, king over Judah and Jerusalem and changed his name to Jehoiakim. But Necho took Jehoaz, his brother, and carried him off to Egypt. Now, Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. Against him came up Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and bound him in chains to take him to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar also carried part of the vessels of the house of the Lord to Babylon and put them in his palace in Babylon. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim and the abominations that he did and what was found against him, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. 
and Jehoiakim, his son, reigned in his place. Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned three months and 10 days in Jerusalem. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord in three months. Okay, uh, that was just a little side note. In the spring of the year, K- King Nebuchadnezzar sent and brought him to Babylon with the precious vessels of the house of the Lord and made his brother Zedekiah king over Judah and Jerusalem. There's our guy, Zedekiah. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. He did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. Okay, now, There's a couple things I want to point out. If you're reading in Chronicles, you're all of a sudden seeing Jeremiah mentioned here, which might, you know, inspire you to go read Jeremiah. Did you catch that that the um, all of the story about Jehoiakim was written in the book of the Kings? That would be in Kings, right? So we have that book available to us and we could go read his story there. So there's a couple different ways that you could kind of follow the cross references. But in my mind, I know that Josiah, which is where this little summary started, he was the last good king in Judah. And just because I've turned down that road enough times, I can navigate that from memory. But if you went back further in Chronicles, you could see that for yourself as well. But in 12 verses, we just scream through four kings, okay, Zedekiah being the fourth king. And even from this brief Cliff's Notes of history, we can see great turmoil in the land of Judah. Not to, not to mention using the bite of using section headings as a tool to get your bearings. My section title here in Second Chronicles 36 says, the decline of Judah. So if we jump back to Jeremiah, this conversation that I started talk, talking, talking to you about is happening in a tumultuous time in the history of Judah, right? So you, you've got a three-month king, an 11-year king, a three-month king, and then now an 11-year king again. And Jeremiah, by the way, in during this time, he has been right every time. And yet the king, King Zedekiah, can't figure out if he wants to hate him or acknowledge that he speaks the very words of God. And I suppose you caught it. He chooses the latter. <laughs> uh, he, he just, he, he, he wants to hate him or he chooses the former, I guess. He really just doesn't want to listen to the words of the Lord. But basically, the king promises not to kill, kill Jeremiah if he'll talk to him. And this is the message that the Lord had for the king. He says in Jeremiah, Jeremiah is speaking for the Lord here. It says, if you will surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon, then your life shall be spared and this city shall not be burned with fire and you and your house shall live. But if you do not surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon, then this city will be given into the hand of the of the Chaldeans, and they shall burn it with fire, and you shall not escape from their hand. You see, this wasn't going to be a surrender to me, and I'll make everything okay moment in the history of these people. They had kind of passed a certain point of no return with the Lord, and they were going into captivity, period. The question was, how and on what terms? Now, in fiction writing, I've heard this described as a best bad choice, (laughs) okay? But if we keep reading, we see what Zedekiah was really concerned about, because this is what he says next. I am afraid of the Judeans who have deserted to the Chaldeans, lest I be handed over to them and they deal cruelly with me. 
Ah, okay. So it's all about you, huh, Zeddy? Okay. So basically he's saying, I'm worried about my people that have already been carried off into Babylon, that if I get carried off into Babylon, then they won't be nice to me when I get there. (laughs) I get it. You know, it's pretty much the end of the road and Zedekiah can see that. It's uh, not really about keeping his power at this point. It's really about saving his life. And so what was God's response through Jeremiah? You shall not be given to them. Obey now the voice of the Lord in what I say to you, and it shall be well with you, and your life shall be spared. But if you refuse to surrender, this is the vision which the Lord has shown to me. Behold, all the women left in the house of the king of Judah were being led out to the officials of the king of Babylon. And they were saying, the women were saying, your trusted friends have deceived you and prevailed against you. Now that your feet are sunk in the mud, they turn away from you. All your wives and all your sons shall be led out to the Chaldeans, and you yourself shall not escape from their hand, but shall be seized by the king of Babylon, and this city shall be burned with fire. All right, there's some really good stuff in there. And you know, I never want you to lead out with application. It's okay to ask, What does God want me to see in this scripture? It's okay to eventually ask the what's in it for me question. Uh, It should never be the first question we ask, but there are a few things that just jump out at me and say, oh, look at me, look at me, look at me. So uh, right here, uh, the Lord through Jeremiah is saying, obey now the voice of the Lord and it shall be well with you. Now we have a choice to obey and surrender to the Lord's way. We have a choice. You know, we teach our youngest little people at the Christian school where I work that they have a choice. Well, what are they choosing? Now, to some degree, they are choosing to obey or not, but your obedience is inextricably linked to that choice uh, is the consequence that's also linked to that choice. These are these are inextricably linked. When you choose wisdom, you choose the blessing that goes along with that wisdom. And when you choose to disobey God's ways, you choose the consequence that goes along with that choice. It seems pretty simple, right? And so we, I mean, just like uh, King Zedekiah here, he has a choice. And if he would just obey the voice of the Lord, it would go well with him. And, but he really just, he wants to be selfish. He wants to choose his own way and still get the blessing. But that's just not how it works. So let's go back to what we're reading just to see that. Because here's the choice. If you refuse to surrender, this is the vision which the Lord has shown to me. And it's talking about all the women being led out to the king of Babylon. And and what they say to him, your trusted friends have deceived you and prevailed against you. So you have this, it shall be well with you choice or a death and terror for those that you love choice, right? And for those of you who are thinking, wow, I'm glad I'm not a king in the land of war. Well, think again. God has given us authority over our families, for example. Do you not think divorce isn't a death and terror for those you love choice? Have you been around permissive parents and seen the fruit of their choice to go a different way than than the way that the Lord has laid out for them? Their children display death and terror for those you love every day. Death of respect for authority. The parents they they can see will never lead to respect and surrender to the father that they can't see. 
because they're not trained in it because they're they're uh, the parents are not following the path of discipline that the Lord has laid out. And I'm not talking discipline as in spanking. I'm talking about a call to a standard of behavior. And so what were again, what were the women saying in Jeremiah's vision? Your trusted friends have deceived you and prevailed against you. And now that your feet are sunk in the mud, they turn away from you. Well, doesn't that give you some insight into the man Zedekiah? In this moment, he is seeking the wisdom of God. But in other moments, he has listened to the wisdom of ungodly people. Human thinking will not lead to wisdom or wise choices. And if Mr. What's-in-it-for-me Zedekiah can't see that his friends are probably advising him from that same worldview, he's crazy. So keep reading. And, and you can see that Zedekiah basically says, I won't kill you, but you can't repeat a word of this conversation or all deals are off. And Jeremiah keeps his word. He doesn't talk about it to anybody, but it really doesn't matter because Zedekiah, in the end, you know, do your personal study. I encourage you to keep reading to see which, which path Zedekiah chooses. I mean, I know you know what he chooses, right? We read the Cliff's Notes, <laughs> but the details are a little... Uh, oh, man, I almost said eye-opening. <laughs> I, I think when you keep reading in Jeremiah, you'll see that that was actually an unfortunate turn of phrase for me to use. But let's end by revisiting the Cliff's Notes version in Second Chronicles. I want to read a little bit past where we read a moment ago. So Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, his God. He did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet, who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him swear by God. He stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord, the God of Israel. All the officers of the priests and the people, likewise, were exceedingly unfaithful, following all the abominations of the nations. And they polluted the house of the Lord that he had made holy in Jerusalem. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by his messengers, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people until there was no remedy. That's Second Chronicles 36, 11 through 16. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people until there was no remedy. God had compassion, but the people mocked, despising his word. Doesn't that sound a little bit like the age that we're living in now? And they stayed on that path until the wrath of the Lord rose against the people until there was no remedy. I don't want to push the situation until there's no remedy. I want to let go and surrender to God and his ways because his instructions for me are based on wisdom, knowledge and understanding, but also on compassion and love. So what's next? We'll read Jeremiah chapters 36 through 39. And as you're reading, I want you to remember that the men described in these conversations, they really lived and they had real personalities and real tendencies. They had real choices and they suffered real consequences. And then to understand at least a limited timeline and historical context of, of King Zedekiah, go ahead and read Second Chronicles chapter 36 as well. And then finally, 
Remember, if we don't surrender to God's way, we'll be forced to surrender to the consequences of not surrendering to God's way. And while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. You can hop on Twitter, at michellekneezat, Instagram, at michellekneezat, or on Facebook. Michelle L. Nizat is my public page. And let me, uh, let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank any new subscribers who have subscribed recently, like Jennifer from Florida, Kelly from Colorado, Christy from Oklahoma, Kyle from Texas, Celeste from New Mexico, Candy from Indiana, Emily from Pennsylvania, Annabeth from Arkansas, Michelle from Ontario, Canada, Crystal from Illinois, Natalie from Georgia, Michaela from Washington, and all the ladies from the Complete in Christ Women's Conference in Jonesboro, Louisiana. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website will benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It's a great place to start. Subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. And in that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, your tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. Or you get an email. You also get an re- email recap of the week's episode and instant access to any of the extra resources that I create from for time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. And have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? It encourages me a lot, and it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Just like Tugbuster, who writes, wonderful, so great to have a gifted speaker to be able to help us tie in Christian music with scripture. Thank you. And Cowbell437, who writes, For anyone out there wanting to dive into God's word but not knowing where to start, check out this podcast. In 20 minutes per week, creator Michelle Nizat turns Christian songs played on the radio um, as a diving board to plunge into scripture. She shares tools that can help you know how to study and then encourages you to go for it, providing possible directions for your study each week. Not only has it been an encouragement to me as I seek God through his word, but it's inspired me to give super many lessons because of age and attention span about about the biblical root of the songs I teach to kids every Wednesday night through my church's children's program. Thanks, Michelle. Well, thank you, Cowbell437. I love that the seeds you've received, you are sowing into the lives of others. And of course, you can listen to the podcast through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcasting podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use the song Surrounded, Fight My Battles by Michael W. Smith. And this was inspired by a question from one of my listeners, Vicki. If you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 281. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.